Welcome back to another episode of The Hillary Show. I'm super excited to introduce you today to one of my favorite humans. She calls herself Valeria Torres. I call her Val and lots of other people do too. She's an amazing female Latina, badass legal consultant. She's the director of operations and business portfolio consultant for Eight Figure Firm, who if you've listened to the podcast at all, you've heard me just rave about my wonderful experience working with them personally. Val provides operations management methods to law entrepreneurs nationwide. She helps them streamline their operations and strengthen their businesses' portfolios. Val's an all-around amazing woman who puts her skills to use by up-leveling others. And we're going to talk about how she uses her mental breakdown as one of her superpowers as a rock-bottom moment that she helps others with as well. She's got a book launch this year, and we're going to talk about her time, perhaps, uh, doing some vampire work of collecting blood when she was in high school. Val, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I've waited, and I am so proud to be part of your Hillary show. I've listened to a lot of episodes, and I definitely love to be a part, and I appreciate you as a person as well. You're a great mentor, friend, and everything, because you're just wonderful. Yes. It's a, it's a mutual love. I love that. I'm your number one fan. Val, you work, my observation of you is you work at a very high clip. Um, and people often talk about how I work really fast. And like I was talking to, um, my coworker, Sarah, she and I've worked together for about three years now, three and a half actually. And she was like, look, you just need to give people time to acclimate to you. Cause you work at a really fast pace. I love working with you because you work at an even faster pace. So when you're working with other people and you work with law firm owners, you work with their support staff, so their directors of operations and things like that. And then you're also working in the personal injury space in Bader Scott in Atlanta, and you've got lots of people working there too. What's your number one tip for helping people keep up and for you to not get frustrated? Even if they're, you know, I often see people who are trying really hard, but I still find myself like, oh, I want it to be done yesterday. Absolutely. That is, I think that that has to be a superpower on two ends. So for myself, as I'm going through my trajectory, because I feel like for me, it's always going through different phases in life and your leadership and your career, especially, not only especially, but mainly as a woman, because I feel like we separated as if it was something, some other magical thing, but everyone has their journey. But as a female, only females understand what it's like to be in the career and in the professional world. And so there's kind of some lost expectations as to how you should handle things, how you should feel about things. Um, And when it comes to who you are as an individual, I think a lot of my hardships and a lot of my downfalls um, helped strengthen me. And so therefore I became such a high paced person because my work ethic has always been my, my number one priority. So a lot of people are like, who are you? What are you about? And my first answer is no one will ever outwork me. And so because that has become my principle, we become very similar type A people that are like, let me just do it three seconds. I don't care if I have time. They need to make more time in the world because I need more time. So that kind of explains the the personality and the reasoning behind it because I'm very success driven. And so I think that's where that comes. Now, the hard part is saying, how do I maintain the balance of being myself, but also accommodating to others' needs and desires and their faces and their lives? Not everyone is going through the same exciting journey. Sometimes they, they have deeper downfalls. Sometimes they, they haven't understood or had mentors or people who have pushed them to levels that they've never reached. So there's a big thing that I tell my clients and I tell people in general as I'm mentoring them and I say, 
is this a job or is this a career for you? Because if you're looking at a job, you are someone who has a different mentality and you can't have a mind shift at any moment. You are never placed with any, even though we all have labels, we can come in and out of those labels at any given time, but it's up to you to do so. And I believe choice is definitely a big, big part of everything. So to give you an answer to how do we get those people who don't move at our same space and our same momentum, the answer is you have to reflect the mirror back on yourself and say, have I given myself and that person the grace? Have I given them realistic expectations? And have I set the standard for that individual to actually succeed in the way that they perform? How do I develop them to become something leveraged rather than me stressing myself out and pulling my hair and saying, why can't you work like me? Remembering my number one rule, no one will be like me. My work ethic, it's my personal mantra of like, this is who I am. And if that person does not match that energy, I cannot force that upon them. And I tell people this as well in mentoring them. I cannot want something for you as much as like you have to want it more than I want it. What I do is instead of pointing the finger and saying, it's so hard to work with you, I look back and I say, I've been there. I've had to learn patience, which is the hardest lesson in leadership and in anything in life, because we want it to be now and right now. Um, but it's more so understanding the person and saying, where are you coming from? Can I or can I not assist you in becoming better? But do you even want it? Which is the hardest question. Do you even want that for yourself? Yeah. I I find that slowing down and actually giving really good instructions is usually the source of why things for me uh, didn't go the way I wanted them to go the first time. So I'm frustrated that it didn't get done right. And it's because I didn't slow down enough to give them the good instructions. But you mentioned that your work ethic comes from kind of the hard parts of life. And I didn't know this about you until I read our pre-podcast interview kind of intake information. And I love this because the more people, especially in the Latina community who can talk about mental health, the better, I think. Because in my observation as a white light, white lady working with a lot of Hispanics is they'll say things like mental health doesn't exist in the Hispanic and Latina community. I was really surprised. I mean, growing up in rural Kansas, my grandmother, both of my grandmothers had a lot of mental health issues and talked about it frequently. So I don't know about other communities, but I know in my own personal family, it was something that was always talked about or at least always lamented about. I don't know that they ever really got the help that they needed. May they rest. But talk to me about what it's like being a Latina and wanting, growing up, knowing you've got mental health complications, struggles, whatever it may be. I, I really don't know. And let's talk through that. So I, um, and that's something new as well. So there's definitely the struggles. We're going to talk about that, that happened to make kind of like that harder shell is what I call it. My safety guard, my hero shield, I call it to get me to where I'm at. I think it's important also to something that I'm understanding now is you have to shift your, your wording and your vocabulary so that those words no longer become limitations or labels that continue to stay with us. So what I mean by that is, yes, they were struggles, but I need to call them something else. So to me now, those struggles have become the power or the opportunity to get me to where I'm at. One of those opportunities was leaving the home when I was 15. It was by choice, but however, I was, just to give you a long story short of from the beginning, baby Val till now, came from a wealthy family in our community, in our culture, in Colombia, it's very class oriented. So you're either at the top or the bottom, there's not really any middle class. So being Latina 
was a huge step coming into a completely different country. Thankfully, uh, my family was wealthy or is wealthy and they were able to put me in like private schools and bilingual and everything. But one thing that we realized very quickly is when you get to a different country, everything that you've been taught in a book and told you and whatever it is, all that changes and shifts. Like you thought you knew how to say something, you have no idea, you're not even speaking the language. So I come in when I'm eight years old and I go through a whole shift of not only am I pulling away from my main culture of being Colombian that I just learned to become, but I'm now being thrown into a different culture of learn how to be American, because if you don't, then are you going to be outed or are you going to be accepted? So now you're going through a transformation of can I be accepted as a human being in a different country as a child, a small child? Then on top of that is you're female. So where are the limitations start coming in? Can you do that? Can you not do this? Are you smart enough? Are you not? Um, do you go into honor classes or do we put you into ESOL for two years because you can't speak the language? Therefore, our system brings us down even more because they say you can't speak the language. Therefore, you have zero base level instead of saying you don't speak the language, but you're an extremely smart person. You have huge scores in math and science and reading and, and all these things. When I first came in, they were like, she needs to be a grade back. So that was the first struggle. It wow. was the school system saying, because she doesn't speak the language, let's put her back in her learning and her opportunities and everything that's supposed to come into her life. And my mom fought very hard to say, absolutely not. She has been in the best learning environment. She's a very bright girl. Put her in ESOL, see how well she does. And thankfully, my part of that story is I got out of there in six months. They were like, wait a minute, you don't even need this. So then that projected one of my struggles projected into something great. And it became down the path, all the schooling and all that stuff. It became honor classes, AP classes, all the things that I would have missed out on if I didn't have one person or multiple teachers speaking out saying she's a bright girl. She just doesn't know the language. Give her a second yeah. to just get in the door. So that was a first struggle. Then as you continue to go on, I move out of the house at 15 for purposes of two reasons, being in a toxic environment at home where it was not serving a purpose. My mom was always a badass single mother that she's an architect. She worked. Her thing was always dress better than anyone in the room, look better, uh, look for the job that or the position that you're supposed to be in, not where you belong, but where you want to be. And always, always follow education because no one can ever take that away from you. They can take a house, they can take material things, they can take, they can strip anything. And she would say this from her being stripped away from her whole life and coming and migrating to a different country. So because she knew what stripping was like, literally stripping away like her career, her job, her um, cars, her wealth, her everything, she came into a different country. And because of that, she said, you as my child need to understand that education will never be stripped. Your knowledge will take you so much further and, and to open many doors. So as we continue on the journey, um, then I, I get into an area where I'm actually gonna go to school, but I had to go through my whole immigration process. So of course we come here as tourists, my mom gets a work visa. Unfortunately for us, our first tragic moment was um, the attorney who had at the moment didn't do something correctly and she loses her work visa just by timing. It was something of like accept this or pay this form, completely crashes everything and we go into a moment of no status. So that is detrimental to a family that's about to have two kids in college, working, and all of a sudden we're no one. Because again, society has stripped away a powerful meaning of you are someone if you have a piece of paper. If not, we don't give 
a shit about the fact that you're an architect, that you're going to be a student, that you're so bright. We don't care. You don't have a piece of paper. So of course, her pours her heart out, gets everything that needs more money that I don't even know where this is coming from at this point. Savings, hard earned savings, gets our paperwork working again. She gets, has to file everything again for this work visa. I, my first struggle, because this is happening, I get pushed back a year from college. So once again, society pushes me back and says, not yet. You don't have any papers. You can't go into school. So my thing was, let me go to school in Argentina. Let me leave the country. Let me leave the place that I now know as home. Let me leave it to actually succeed as a human being and as a woman that I want to be and a, a leader that I need to be for myself. And because I'm 18 years old, I don't have the power and the confidence behind me knowing my choices. So again, now, before it was society, now it's my own mother close to home, doubting and putting her projections on me and saying, can you or can you not do it? Are you sure you're capable? Even though all your life you've been hearing, you're good, you got it. But now that I wanna make a choice that isn't in your plans, are you capable of doing it? So my own mother creates doubt. I cancel everything. I don't go anything. I don't do anything. So we're back on that square one. Then I say, well, I have to do something for myself one way or another. I pick up a job. Um, I'm going to school full time. I pay for my own college. And I um, decide that I need to go into schooling some way. So before I even got into college, I went to a like continuing education thing and I did courses. So I did like anatomy. I did uh, event planning. But the whole concept was keep going because if, as long as you stop, it's going to be so much harder to get back up. So keep going, keep going. So that keeps going. Life happens. Many people I met, great mentors, great teachers received a lot of awards. Um, everything just kind of kept into flow. And a lot of people would say, what do you do? How are you like still going, but you support, you live by yourself, learn how to cook by yourself, female. Th like I didn't have a lot of guidance. Let's say my biggest person in my life has always been my brother. He was the pusher. He was the one that said no drugs in the household, no like craziness. Like you will succeed. You will go to school. You will do all these things. And he always said, at whatever you're doing, you can do it better. 1% every time. I need you to always push for harder. So in a way, that becomes my next struggle that later on in life, I understand through therapy that that became a trauma. That trauma became not ever being satisfied with anything. So through life now, my, my projection and my life becomes be better, be better, be better. I'm doing something and I'm not even enjoying the success of what I am, I, I am supposed to enjoy because there's always something in the back of your mind saying, you can do more. You should be doing more. Why aren't you doing more? So then that kind of hits in. And I learn later on what that means. I go through it, um, learn how to like live on my own, pay my bills, pay my car, pay. Like I learned how to drive by myself. I learned how to do things like that. Fast forward, I get into college. I do my, what I'm supposed to do. I graduate with two degrees and here comes your next kind of struggle or obstacle. My family, the way they're structured with success, very close on the structure, especially in a Latin American family and in the type of their mentality. And like my grandma grew up in the forties, she's an attorney herself. Their measurement of success was very strict. So I graduate with two degrees, business law and linguistics. And the first question or comment made after I walk stage is, so when do you get your real degree? And so of course that's another jab to the heart. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just did two of them. Like Never I enough. went my I worked in a law firm for over, like at that point it was like eight years or something, managing the firm, um, doing all of this, but nothing was, 
somebody was always saying, not enough, not enough. It's either you're female, you don't speak the language, you are not smart enough, or like, what do these degrees even mean? Like, why aren't you a doctor? Why aren't you a lawyer, right? So fast forward, we go into the job struggles, and this is where we talked about mental health. What mental health is, it's not a priority. It's not a concept. I see sadness in the family. I see depression in the family. Uh, nobody speaks about it. It's a, it's a, it's like a shut off circle. Nobody knows. Nobody talks. Like we're fine. We're now fine. I have, a, I have right. a question. So is it, a, is it ignored, or yeah. is it just, is it brushed under the rug, or is it like literally it doesn't exist? It is I think a little bit of everything. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely brushed underneath the rug. It is a, um, the concept of mental health is one that is, are you that sick that you need someone to talk to you? Are you not strong enough? So much judgment. It's a lot of judgment of why are you not capable of dealing with your life? We did because in the forties and the fifties and the sixties, there was the macho man. And, and, and it's a lot of details of like family history that it was, it was a lot of like the name has to stand for what the name is. So anything that can't be brushed under the rug. You're not really, you have, you have everything you can imagine. Why would you be sad? Why would you be depressed? You have family, you have money, you have cars, you have maids, you have all these things. Like why in the world would a normal person be depressed having everything? And so um, speaking on that, I go to work and I get a job opportunity. I'm doing well in, in my career. Um, and I've always thought myself as career, not a job. So that's why it impacts me a little bit more. But my mental breakthrough comes um, out of nowhere. I've had panic attacks before. So I, I had to learn that the hard way of like, what the hell just happened? I don't even know what I'm, I don't even, I don't know what mental health is. So as I'm experiencing, I'm learning and I'm like, okay, so I can't breathe. I can't, like, I can't move. I'm frozen. What does this mean? Take me to the hospital because they don't, they're the only ones that can know. And so they explained to me, like, you just had a panic attack. You're too stressed. So my eyes would start twitching. And they were like, you need to be careful. You're getting too stressed. You need to calm down, like different things. And I was like, what is even calm down? What is it relaxed? <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Because nobody taught me that one either. Um, so as we're going through that, I had two major things that happened. Um, one is I got what I called and defined find to research defining as imposter syndrome. So because I was in a company and I was getting paid well, but for some odd reason, whatever doors opened, whatever's up there, said there's much more in, in store for you. And a headhunter found me. They offered double my salary to do a third of my job and to be the first Latina executive in a company of all white individuals that for 30 years had been running this company. So it was a life opportunity that you say, you never say, you never think twice. You say, absolutely. Yeah. You grab it and you run. I was about to become literally this icon. Like for them, it might've been like, we just need a statistic most likely. I don't know if there was. Oh, there's voices in your head still, but I hear where you're coming but from. Yeah. There's voices there. They're there. They're there. That, that, that there. But for me, then it became more important that I said, you know, what does this mean? And then I get there and I actually start doing that. I accept it. And I said, absolutely. I'll do it. Um, I get there and I see the first paycheck and I'm like, holy crap, what does someone do with this? Because then you have to remember you were a 15 year old girl going and working in restaurants and whatever. So scarcity mentality was always a, like, you got to make sure you make the next month. Like, it's not like you're just over here, like swinging money. Like it's not your family. It's you. So you have this and you're like, what is somebody even supposed to do with all this? Then on top of that, for me, because my work ethic is so incredibly like great for me. 
the issue becomes now thinking I'm not doing enough for what I am receiving. Now I'm thinking you only want me to do this. I don't feel worth, I don't feel the worth that I, I'm supposed to give. I'm not giving you enough for what you're giving me back. And I myself do not like money being given to me for just like, I don't like things handed to me. I've always worked hard for my stuff. So when you put me in a position where you say, you're the top, you're an executive, you're great. And literally they were like, just go review your work, sit in your office for six hours and review something that they would expect a normal individual to do in two weeks. I would get it done in two days. And I was like, what else would you like me to work on? No, no, nothing else. We just, we just needed you to do this. And I was like, okay, so where's my career going? No, 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 this is it. You're an executive. You're the first Latina woman in this, in this position. That's it. So I be, I be, I begin to begin embody and stress and anxiety from imposter syndrome. Why am I here? If I am just a regular employee and I'm not making a change or a purpose or an impact because they didn't even want to make an impact in their own staff. They wanted me to teach their staff one, two, three, don't go beyond that. They don't need to know more than that. They didn't want to develop and empower their own people. So it was very heart crushing. So that happens. And then not to go too much into detail, uh, but with other stuff, I, um, I went through some personal, like physical things that happened to me that it was very devastating. And it kind of threw me into a, what am I doing with my life? Mm. And it came out of nowhere. Oh, I just got chills. And the mental, the mental breakdown started. So it started as a panic attack and I go, okay, I know what this is. Panic attack. They want calm down, calm down, calm down. I am going crazy. Like at this moment, I don't have any, I don't know what I'm doing with my body. My mind is going everywhere. I can't sleep. I have friends literally staying with me. It, it, this looks crazy to me because a person who they would go to as a powerhouse is now no one. I am in a blank state where I don't know who I am, what I'm doing in life. And they are sitting around me just watching me and kindly, like I, I appreciate them and give them so much gratitude because they were sitting there making sure I was alive. They knew I was there and that I was in a blank state, but they made sure that I ate something if and if I didn't want to, that I was breathing because then, then they started putting me on medication. Mm. And as they're putting me on medication, they don't know what's going to happen. So they're like, what if something happens to her? And everyone is sitting there just like, I have literally three, I remember three or four people, friends, just all, they're sitting and we're either sitting in quiet because music would trigger me, uh, people talking would trigger me. And I just, I was in a square, I was literally in a square and I did not know how to get out. So that was the deepest and the lowest that I've ever went. And I didn't know how I was gonna get myself again. And all I would say to myself was, you have to get to who you are. You have to get there. This isn't it. This is not it. This is, you cannot fall. And um, I remember one of the other tragic things was as I'm psychiatry starts and the psychiatrist, I remember it was a very disappointing moment in the system again, when I was like another system to fail me, because I think that that's why I'm going into my master's and I'll get to that. But the system disappointed me because a nurse took a five minute appointment, had a sheet, fill it out and then diagnosed me bipolar. And I was like, from a worksheet, you diagnosed me bipolar? Like my whole life, you're telling me that I've lived it and now I'm bipolar. And so I go through this and of course my mind's going, they're giving me all this medication. I'm on like 10 different pills and it's all like um, seizure medication. So it's extremely like, you have to be so careful with this, this stuff. And I get to a point where I tell them because my Colombian 
mentality and stuff comes in, no pills, you don't take medicine, you don't need that. So it's an internal battle of my American culture and my Spanish culture. And it's like, you don't need help, you, you're not sick. And yes, you do, there's chemical imbalance, there's science behind this, do it fully. And, I, and I'm so blessed to have my, my psychologist is like, I tell him, I'm like, you are, you're, you're, you're one of the pieces that saved me because he did redid evaluation. He was like, you are not bipolar. They completely misdiagnosed you. This is not, you have general anxiety and mild depression. Most common things in females, males, your age in this time era and what's happening. Like, this is not you. This is not who you are. And you are a very big person on labels. And until we shift your mind, you're gonna understand that you are so much more. So here comes another stranger, which is, it's crazy. But I, I thank these strangers so much and including like yourself, like you guys come into my life and you have empowered and inspired so much more and believe in me than my own close home, like myself. But there were strangers out there that were like, you have so much more potential. You are the, you're a great version that just hasn't opened that door and allowed yourself to see it. And so this happens and I, I slowly start getting out of this. It takes five to six months for me to be in this deep hole of depression and anxiety and not understanding it. So what do I do? I go back to my roots and I go back to, I have to understand by the book, what it means, what happens when you're anxious, what happens to your body? What does this mean? So I go back to education. I go back to knowledge and I get a whole stack of books and I'm like, I'm going to understand what the hell is happening inside my body. And so I'm reading and I'm going and I'm learning and I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And now the the worry, the anxiety, the, the fear of the unknown is what gets most people. Yeah. The fear of the unknown is what doesn't let you move forward. It limits you day in and day out. So when you are able to understand and be so self-aware that you know that there's more out there than just what you are limiting your mind, that's when you become limitless. And that is my new goal in life is to be limitless in all aspects of life do not have anything that limits you by your mind because it is the strongest, but also the weakest thing you have. It can bring you down so quickly and it can bring you up so fast. And I'm telling it, it, it was almost like a miracle to me. I know there was like science behind it, there was therapy, but one day I sat there and I said to myself, and I, I had to have a lot of talks with myself. And one of those talks, sitting in that bed for days and days, and I said, You gotta stop, you gotta get up. You got to put on the clothes that you want to put on. You got to do your makeup. You got to do your hair. You got to do the things. And you just have to be strong, stronger than you've ever been. Even if you can't, you make yourself strong because you will do more in life than just this. So I got up that day. I don't know what, what happened, but I was like, okay, I got to plan it out. And so then my implementation part comes in and I'm like, plan it out 60 days, 30 days. What am I doing? What's the first thing? I got to go to the gym. I got to read something, music if it's not working, understanding my triggers, really um, helping out with psychology and going to, going to my psychologist, going to therapy. And then I become an advocate because now I'm like, when I get to a certain level of stability, I'm like, if I got here, anyone can do it. Y'all are coming so with me. So I become the biggest advocate and I come to my family. So I do something that's completely strange to anyone and to our whole culture. And that is where I want to go further with, I go to my family, I sit them all down, we have a group chat and I said, we're gonna have a family. I need you to understand what mental health is. I need you to understand that I have depression. 
that I have anxiety, that this is what happens physically, this is what happens mentally, this is what it means. I go to therapy, you're going to accept that because that is what helps. I go to a psychiatrist and I get medication because that is what the brain is calling for. A lot of you have issues, but I cannot want this for you. You have to want it for yourself. And that became actually an opening door where now in my family, it's accepted, they check in. There was a moment when I cut them out. I said, I need a boundary. You guys don't understand, until you understand what mental health means to me and how big of an advocate I'm going to be, I have to block you out because you don't understand it because you still have a mentality of you don't need it or it's not important enough. And a lot of you have been through a lot of things and you still don't understand why you feel this way and you're depressed yourself, but you don't wanna search for the help. I will help you. I will guide you through that, but I cannot want it more than you when then and then I want it. So that was a big breakthrough. And along the path of that, that, that I want to stop there just for a minute because yeah, tell me, tell me. those types of things are super. I mean, that takes a lot of bravery because your family can cut you off. You're saying, I'm I'm going to do this. This is where I'm at. And you had to like you were going in probably knowing that you might come out with no one behind you, like leadership moment, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to show leadership in my family. You guys may not follow me out though. And I, it doesn't matter whether you do or don't. So I, I think that that takes a lot of bravery because you are possibly ostracizing yourself for yourself. Definitely. It was a moment like that where I thought about it and it, and it goes part of to your anxiety where you start thinking like, what if what happens? And I said, Nope. I said, don't, I said, stop. You can only, I only run with the facts and because I went through, through that. And I, and the thing was because I went into it by myself and I came out of it by myself. Right. And, I, and to a certain extent, like my mind is what got me there. My mind's what got me out. I understood that I needed to do it for myself. And therefore, as much as anybody could love me or, or, or help me or hurt me, it was my decision to make. It was my choice to say, I have to change and break this cycle. And I think it's very important for a lot of labels and a lot of individuals, young, old, it does not matter. You break cycle. You have to be strong enough and powerful enough and be that leader. And I tell people, I am the leader that I wish I would have had growing up. For those that I mentor now, I tell them, I am the leader that I wish I had. I will make sure that you don't go through the same journey I did. But if you do happen to go through it, you have a leaning shoulder that can guide you to how to get out of that black hole. Mm -hmm. because it is a very dark, deep hole. This is true in the mental health context, but I also think it's true. My experience of the gay community and the Hispanic community where those two intersect, it's really hard for gay Hispanics to go home and talk to mom and dad about it or mom or dad about it or grandma and grandpa, because it's like, it's just so severing to the way that it ought to be to one generation and yet the human experience is what it is for the person who's gay. And, you know, I think that you walking in and having that conversation and that bravery, I think that is maybe a lifeline and an example for people who may be wanting to have that same conversation with their parents about their sexuality. And so if someone's listening to this and perhaps, I mean, if, if you're having a hard time with your mental health, because you can't be who you are. I think that this is a lifeline. This is an example, and this is a happy ending, a positive ending to 
going for it and going all in on yourself. So I kind of want to put a pin in that there because that's so important for people to hear because people oftentimes will hear about really negative outcomes and then look where you are because you went all in on you and exactly who you are. So those who, you know, maybe haven't gone all in on who they are, I really want to encourage them, whether it's mental health or whatever it may be, where they're identifying with it. Like, I believe in you. We are cheering for you. We're in your corner. And whatever happens with your family, know that you have a tribe and that you have people who will come sit in a four square around you because that's, that's what the, that's what the tribe is here for. Absolutely. And that, that goes as well with, I used to be part of this nonprofit and it was called, you don't have to agree, just let it be. So we were teaching young kids that you, nobody has to agree because it was our, our founder, his sexuality, you know, bisexual. And, and my thing, our, our whole concept was you can be black, white, small, short, whatever it is you want to be. Not everybody has to accept you. They just have to let you be. So I think once you, my biggest thing that I tell people that I take away from, from my, from my experience, from my struggles, from my obstacles, from my learnings is you have to put more belief into your own self and more bet on yourself a little bit harder that you will come out with your outcome. As long as only you believe in yourself, you will have help people. There's lots of people that want to help you that want to love on you that, that they'll come across you. But if you're in a, like you said, if you're alone right now, if you're someone who doesn't know how to just put the next foot forward, sit there for a second with yourself and tell yourself, I deserve this. I need this. I will have this. And whatever I set my mind to be, I will accomplish it. I know it's hard. There's dark moments. There's moments where all you can do is cry, cry, feel it, process it. Yeah. Know that it's, it's a shitty world and people can be shitty, mm-hmm. but know that there's also good moments when you will feel 100% accomplished and you will have that purpose of whatever that purpose is. Yeah. So feel it. I read in my Angelo quote, Angelo quote last night and it was, the storm always runs out of rain. And I think that's true when you know, you're in a deep depression or you're in a, a, you know, I don't know if there's light depression, but I think that there is, you know, there's varying levels of it. And so whatever, whatever people are going through, the storm runs out of rain. I think that's such a good, you can literally imagine the storm. It just, it has to pass. It literally has to pass. So I know you've got a book coming out and I am, this is such a rich conversation. I'm so grateful for it, but I want to know about your book. Yeah. So the book coming out is going to be, um, Louise and I are co-writing a book together. It's about leadership. So, um, it's showing the elements of how take your past. So what I called it was take your survival kit of all the things that you've done before and make it into your toolkit. Mm -hmm. So anything that you've gone through or any jobs or any experiences you've had, use that and take it with you to become a better leader, to become a better person as a whole to become a a great business owner to become to become that person that you want to become so take your survival stop surviving and thrive with it and make it your toolkit so the leadership book is going to talk about all the struggles that we go through but also how do you get up from those three times higher or how do you pull in other directions of your own mind to get you through what what your full potential can be unleash what is in within you by being able to take away the obstacles, take away the survival and thrive on 
who you really like, like your full potential. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. When is it, when is it dropping? I know in the notes, it said 2023. <laughs> I know 20, it's, it's big. We're trying, we're going through it. We have to do a couple of edits um, and publishing and everything. So it should be sometime before 2023 finishes. So I would think like November, December latest would be 2024, January, just because we need it on every platform. Um, but it will be out there. We'll make sure that again, I want to, I want that book to be in the hands of those young professionals or young anybody that just doesn't know how to take the next step and needs a little push. Yeah. All you need is a little push. Now that leads me to, I know giving back is something that's really important to you. It's kind of one of your core values from my observation of you. This started when you were in high school with a blood drive, it seems like, or really was a big moment and you've continued that. So let's talk about the blood drive. Let's talk about all the blood and talk about how today let's talk about the vampire days. Yeah, let's talk about the <laughs> vampire days. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about what you do now to give back. Where I mean, you you give back in a professional sense every day with people who you're mentoring. But I know that you do other things as well. So let's talk about those. Absolutely. So this blood drive was really cool. Um, I was the president of Interact. It's a community service group for the high school I went to, and our task was to work with different corporations or companies to just create a big impact. That was the whole point. Like, how can we help those? And two, one of the biggest moments was a blood drive. We um, were able to do a blood drive at the school, but also incorporating anybody from the community to come in. We gained, we have received over 156 pints of blood when it was an emergency um, scenario. And that's where you normally do blood drives, a lot of them. So I was leading that and I was making sure that young kids just understood like, you take care of the snacks, you take care of like, I mean, you're, you're talking, there's a whole event that is extremely important for people to live. But we were focusing on the the operations of like, how many people can fit? How long can they sit? Do you take care of them? Do you are they afraid of needles? But so we did that in collaboration with the Red Cross, American Red Cross, and we were able to gain all that blood and send it out to hospitals so that more people could live on and have surgeries and all that. And that led into, well, what else do we do? How else do, because again, go back to my principles, what can I do more? Because more is, is kind of my middle name, right? More, more, more. Um, so we said, let's help women who are trying to get better jobs that are single mothers. So we went and we did a, um, a drive for to fix resumes and to give them clothing. So this is how you dress to an interview. This is how you prep for interviews. And, and they, of course, speak different languages, so Spanish and English and you different culture backgrounds. So you had to understand how to get across that person. Also had to tell someone prep for an interview when you need to also feed your two twins that are two years old and you barely have money to give them like formula, but also focus on this one thing to get you the job, right? So it, it was very heartfelt, but it was very impactful impactful because there was a lot of women that gained jobs and sent us letters and said, I got the job and you know, all this stuff. So it was great. And then the last one with that community was community service. And what we did was we actually purchased a couple different computers and we said, technology is extremely important, but how can um, anyone who's worked so hard to get into college and then they get to it and they're like, I don't have a laptop. I have to go to the library and stay there for hours and and like then miss the bus and ride like a million buses to get back to the south or the north or whatever it is. So we um, grabbed some computers, we did some contests and we helped and we gave away computers and said, go be that professional that you need to be. Um, but here, here's a helping hand that nobody else would give you. So 
that was kind of part of it. Now, like you said, I mentor, I coach, I consult for the business owners, trying to scale and, and create predictable revenue for everybody. Um, but more so helping right now, my newest venture is I'm doing a industrial and organizational masters because I want to bring psychology into the aspect of business growth and, um, and anything. So I want to be able to grab that information and impact not only um, here, but across all communities in Spanish and in English, especially in my own community to say, hey, you just went through an asylum. You just went through um, you know, divorce. You just went through so many different things that you don't even understand the concept of it, but you don't even understand it because there's not even given in your own language. So I am gonna be the, the thing that takes away that gap between those that cannot communicate one way or another, whether it's mentally, I cannot get out my thoughts and I need someone to talk to, or I cannot speak the language, or I grew so much in my business that I don't know who I, who this new persona is. And I need to be able to connect the dots and be the synergy between the person and the concepts of life that are happening for you. I love it. When did you decide you were enough? Ooh, hard question. Who that gave me chills. Um, I think that's a hard one because that's something I'm working on. That's something I'm working on in therapy. Um, it's my worth in knowing that I'm enough. I would say 80% of me believes it. There's still that little bit that says, what else can I do to make sure I'm doing enough? And I think the biggest shift has been before it was validation from others of, am I enough for you? Am I enough for my business? Am I enough for the job? Am I enough for school? And I think the shift now is, am I enough for me? Mm. So yeah, it's an focus it now on me. Yeah. It's an ongoing journey. It's what an ongoing thing. Last question. I love to ask everybody because I am an avid reader. What are you reading right now? Lots of, besides novels and novels of psychology. No. So I, I'm definitely reading a lot there. I actually have an app called Headway. And it gives you 15 minute increments of audio or readings if you want to read. The last one I just read was about public speaking. Um, and it was the 80 uh, 20 rule on everything that you do on life principle. And so it's just, I'm focusing on areas. I try to be very self aware and find areas I consider weak in or that I could improve on since I'm using better wording. I think vocabulary is very important to me. I am a linguistics major, so words are important. And I, um, I try to find things that I know I could be better in and I educate myself on them. So if I don't know something, I have to put it on myself to go figure it out. Yeah. Okay. I and love Headway. The app is mm -hmm. called Headway. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. The 80-20 rule is yeah. super cool. I found out about that in a book called Do Less by Kate Northrup, who was on the podcast um, early in the season. And then the one thing talked about it kind of like really explored it. So I don't know if you've read the one thing, but it is just such a good one. So Val, you are such a gift. And I absolutely just, I truly am your number one fan. I'm so appreciative of you and who you are. And I know everybody who's listening is too. Thank you so much for sharing you today. Thank you so much. And I'll leave you guys with one piece. I know those listening and as well, a book to read to get you to make that one step. It's called No Excuses by Brian Tracy. It is absolutely a great book to read. It shows you that there's no limitation. And like I said, find your the way that you can become limitless. 
Don't let absolutely anything, your mind or anyone limit you. I'm ordering. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) That one is so, it's such a good read. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll definitely have you back on if you're open to it. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys soon. Anything you need, you can find me on social media and all the different things. All the things. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of The Hillary Show. I hope it gave you value. I hope it was a good use of your time. And most importantly, I hope that you'll share it with a friend because that's the way that we're able to spread the good vibes. Thanks so much, friend. I'll see you again next week.